Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and I'm the CEO of Roadhouse International and Compass Group International, and welcome to my podcast. Today's podcast, I am coming at you. It's fourth quarter 2020, and this pandemic seems to be getting a second round, which is unfortunate. And it looks like different parts of the world are going towards a second lockdown. So this podcast was inspired by a recent client uh, that I just picked up. And during this pandemic, it's caused not just havoc with the retail space. We're seeing more and more retail stores and mom and pop restaurants and even the large retailers filing for bankruptcy on the verge of bankruptcy. And then in addition to that is we're going to start seeing chaos in a real estate market. Right now, we're seeing absolute chaos and the downturn of anything hospitality when it comes to airline industry, when it comes down to hospitality. But the thing is, is that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Is the one thing that I want to really, really let investors know, hotelers and real estate investors know, is that when you're looking at certain types or certain places throughout the world, they're gonna come back much stronger and much faster than other parts of the world. So I may, you may have heard this in my previous podcast, of why I am so pro-Asia. Because when you look at the numbers for Thailand, specifically here in Bangkok, where Bangkok in the last five years, I say it over and over again, beating out London, England as the number one tourist destination in the world. And then now, so when you look at the world, what part of the world has done an exceptional job in fighting against this coronavirus? It's Asia. What part of the world has done the worst job in fighting the coronavirus? North America, specifically the United States, and also in the UK. Most English-speaking countries have done horrible jobs in trying to fight COVID-19, where Asia has really come out on top. So what does that mean in the future? What does that mean six months from now, 12 months from now? 24 months from now. It means that Asian countries are likely to open first for travel as opposed to other Western countries. So as investors, as hotelers, that's why I'm urging you right now to look at Thailand because there are so many fantastic hotel deals that are out there right now where owners are willing to sell these properties at a tremendous discount because of this pandemic, where three months from now, six months from now, when the the vaccines are here and people are going to be traveling again, these prices are going to boost back up to retail prices. I'll talk more about that a little bit later, but this podcast is really going out towards a very unique set of individuals or families out there. And these are families that have inherited pieces of property that they had no idea that was in a living trust or in a will, where a distant uncle or aunt or parent left this giant piece of land or this home in another country or even in your backyard, and you had no idea it was coming. And the reason why this came up is because I have a client that we're going to be picking up here where 
this individual basically inherited about 100 acres of beachfront property. No idea, no idea that they were going to inherit this property. And with no real estate background, they have no idea what to do it, do with it. Not just not having a real estate background, they have no sales background or marketing background. So they have no idea on how to sell the property because they're certainly not going to develop on this raw piece of land because they don't have the financial means and then just the knowledge and experience on how to do that. So that's what this short podcast is about, is I'm reaching out to anyone out there. Anyone out there that may have inherited or maybe you've had this piece of property in your family for a very long time and it's just sitting doing nothing. It could be 10 acres, it could be 1,000 acres. It could be a small boutique hotel or even a large hotel. But whatever it may be, all it's doing is really causing more problems and more pain in maintaining this property. Because what a lot of people don't realize is taxes. It doesn't matter what part of the world you're in. There's always property taxes. And we see this so much in Latin America and also in Asia. Is that sometimes there is a great uncle or a great, great grandfather that bought this property, let's say somewhere in Latin America, about 50 years ago. And then he passes away. And... But he doesn't leave it to the father. He doesn't leave it to his son. Instead, he leaves it to his grandkids. And now the grandkids have no idea what to do with this piece of property. They're maybe a teacher. They have normal jobs in, in a corporate America type setting. They have no idea what to do with it. Like this client that I just spoke to a couple of days ago has no idea. And they said, I said, well, 30 days ago, we inherited his property, 100 acres, beautiful place in, in Southeast Asia. And we think the attorneys told us that it's valuated about $15 million US, but we don't know what to do with it. And in addition to that is the relative, you know, God rest her soul, and generously willed this property to them, but never paid the property taxes on it. And we see this all the time. And these property taxes aren't small. It's not like fifty dollars or $60,000. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. And this property is basically due hundreds of thousands of dollars in back taxes. And they're like, we don't have it. We don't have the money to do that. So what do you suggest? I said, well, there are a number of things um, that I'm going to need from you. Number one, and, and obviously I'm just, you know, due to the sake of not boring you on this podcast, I'll, I'll just kind of whittle down some of the top three things. I said, the very first thing is, is that I need a, an appraisal. I need an appraisal not, from a reputable company that does appraisals in that geographical location in that city. Not from someone that is from someone else in a different location. I need a legit appraisal. And I said, and also in addition to that is, is that just with my experience, is that most of the time attorneys seem to overinflate what properties are actually worth, especially when it comes down to raw, raw land. 
I said, to be very honest, I can tell you I'm, I'm familiar with that geographical area. It's probably about 25%, at least a minimum of 25% less than the estimated $15 million. And I said, but I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, but that's why we need the appraisal. I said, in order for my team to go to our investors and other brokers that we work with throughout the world, that's the first thing they're going to ask for. They're going to want to see a legitimate appraisal that's no later than 90 days. I said, the next thing is, is that I'm going to need a one or two page executive summary on what's on the property. I need some aerial photos. I need uh, basically if there's any titles or not titles, but how the property is titled. Is it titled in a corporation? Is it titled to you as an individual? Is it in a family trust? And also in addition to that is I need to know legally if there's any easements in our property. Are there any government easements? And for those of you who don't know what easements are, it's basically uh, like, let's say, radio towers, a government road. That's a public road right through the property. I need to know these things. And then also, I need to know if there are any permits on a property that have already been pulled. For an example, with those 100 acres, what can, what can a future developer build on it? How many hotel paths uh, are, can be permitted? What's the density of a type of residences that can be built? What's the height restrictions? Is it just small single family homes? Or could a mega developer come in there and basically build high density condos right by the beach? Are there areas for commercial real estate? So I need to know what it's zoned for and any permits have been pulled. So uh, obviously there's a lot more because this conversation was over an hour long. So I'm just kind of giving everyone a, 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 a summary. There are a lot of you out there. There are a lot of you out there. And especially during this pandemic, during this financial hardship right now, being able to sell that land is really going to help with your personal finances. Because this next podcast I'm going to do after this, I'm going to talk about trends throughout the world that really relate to travel and real estate. And also uh, for overall just living, should I say, but more so on a real estate front. And I'm going to talk about some of those trends right now. Right now, the trend is going for the worst. Many parts of the world are already in recession. And what that also means is, is that this pandemic has basically forced countries to lock their borders for close to nine months. So, Remember this, is that even if, let's just say, let's, let's, let's give uh, Thailand an example. Thailand has been on lockdown, no, no foreign tourists. Even if Thailand were to open this month, in which they are, they've opened this month to some Chinese tourists that are coming in, but even if they were successfully to open this month to all international tourists that come in to have to do a 7 to 14 day quarantine, test multiple times, to make sure they, have, they don't have COVID-19, even if they do that tomorrow, because of what has happened over the last nine months, 
the travel industry in Thailand will not recover for at least 12 months. In other places of the world, like in the United States, they're predicting places like Las Vegas, maybe three to four years. Places in Europe, two to three years. Asia, why a shorter duration of time? Is because part of what I do for my company, for my team, is I watch for trends. I analyze all the different markets that are the world, not just looking at GDP, but looking at the trends of individuals and what the consumer is doing. What are they buying? What are they not buying? And why? Why aren't they buying? And the reason why Asia is going to be so fast or so much faster than any parts of the world, the Latin America, English-speaking countries, and Europe, is because they have wealth. That's just plain and simple. Asian countries, the individuals are richer. They have cash wealth. They're not extremely in debt like Americans, Canadians, well, pretty much most English-speaking countries where everyone uses a credit card to buy everything. Even going to a store to buy basically a $2 Red Bull, they'll use a freaking credit card. Where in Asia, cash is always king. People, Asians love to see the balances in their checking account, in their savings account, in their investments accounts. So Asians are rich and they're cash rich. And also, what part of the world has the highest population in the world? Asia. Northern Asia and Southeast Asia. We have the most people here. So yes, we have a lot of poor people, but also we have the fastest growing population of millionaires, new millionaires, and new billionaires than any part of the world. So when Asian countries like Thailand, Singapore, Taiwan, Korea, Japan, China, Malaysia, Indonesia, open up for international tourists, they're going to get a lot of domestic tourists first. And how many, what's the numbers of domestic tourists? We're talking millions and millions. One of the great things about Asia is the proximity from one another. What a lot of people don't realize is just how big like Australia is or United States is, or even, you know, all of Europe. It's huge. But in Asia, yes, you have, you, have big, you have a big, huge country like China, big, huge country like India. But when you look at all the other smaller countries, we're so close to each other. I mean, here I am. I'm in Bangkok. My wife and I live here in Bangkok. And these are the countries that we are within a three-and-a-half-hour flight to, between a one-hour and three-and-a-half-hour flight to. Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, Vietnam, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, India, China, and did I already say Taiwan? And Taiwan. Ten countries. Ten, if, I already, if I already said Taiwan again, then it's nine countries. But nine to ten countries within a one to three hour flight, three and a half hour flight from Let's just say Thailand. So there are just so many places to go. Oh, and, and, and I forgot, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is another one. Be- 
you know, for those of you who have never been to Sri Lanka, it's this little island, you know, well, not little, just outside of India, and they have gorgeous beaches. It's such a hit. Sri Lanka is, you know, we're hoping to work with a tourism board there, uh, but Sri Lanka is truly a hidden gem. So it, it is between 10 and 11 countries, very close proximity. But when you look at America, let's just say you look at the United States, I mean, it could take you five hours to get from the West Coast to the East Coast. But if you really want to go somewhere different, yeah, you can go down south to Latin America, but Latin America is going to be far from opening because of the rapid, rapid rise in, in, corona, in corona infections. The only country that's really going to be worthwhile, somewhat safe, is going to be Costa Rica. I mean, you definitely don't want to go to South America. Brazil, Brazil and India will probably eventually surpass the United States with the highest rate of infections and maybe deaths here very soon. So basically, the reason I'm telling you this is that you have to look at these trends. Is that if you have a piece of property right now that you just inherited, and you're not marketing it right now, that by this time next year, October in 2021, that property is going to be about 25 to 30% less. Then you wait another year, October 2022, 50% less. Why? Because what we are going through and what the foresight I see is almost a mirror image of what we went through during a real estate and financial crash of the banks back in 07, 08, and 09. It's coming, folks. And if you are under a rock and you think that it's not coming, it's coming, folks. The evictions by the millions are going to be coming next year because people have stopped paying their mortgage payments. People don't have jobs. This pandemic is going to cause more of a financial strain to the world financial economy than what happened back in 0708. Because back in 0708, it was really people in, in real estate, especially United States and the UK, the banks doing really, really bad loans, packaging them and selling them to other countries. I mean, it really revolved around real estate and, uh, and, and banks. But other than that, the malls are still open. People are still going to movie theaters. Mom and pop restaurants are still open. People are still traveling. But this is different, folks. This is so different. And if you're not prepared for it, please, please be prepared for it. Everything that I am looking at is exactly what happened back in 07, except I see so many things are going to be worse. So back to you that owns that piece of property that you inherited or you've been hanging on to because you don't know what to do with it. Well, okay. You need to sell it. If you think holding on to it longer and longer, it's not going to work. Because first of all, if you're holding on to big pieces of raw land, 50 to 500 acres to thousands of acres, there is a very small percentage of investors and groups that will buy something like that and can develop on something like that. For an example, 
this 100-acre beachfront property in Southeast Asia. There is only a very small percentage of people that I know that would be interested in that. And these people that are interested in that aren't going to be North Americans, aren't going to be Latins, aren't going to be Europeans. The buyers that we're going to have to find for that piece of property is going to be in Asia. Northern Asia, Southern, Southeast Asia, Pacific, Australia, New Zealand, pretty much, and maybe parts of UK because they go, because people from UK come here to Southeast Asia quite a bit. But what I'm saying is, is that if you wait longer, that money, that investment money is going to dry up. Because what happened back in 07, 08 is the people who had lots of money, all of a sudden overnight, it disappeared. It was gone. Where companies thought that they were doing well, but they were cooking the books. The COO was cooking the books. And all of a sudden, gone. You're going to see some of that within the next 12 to 24 months too. So if you have a burden hand right now, you got a property that you think is worth $10 million, but you inherited the property. Your grandfather or your great-grandfather, your great-uncle or aunt bought that property at a fraction of the price. Maybe paid a million dollars for it. Maybe paid 500000 for it. Be happy if you can sell that for $5 million or even four, bird in hand. Because that money can be very useful today. And why is it going to be useful? Because there are a lot of very, very savvy individuals. You know what people don't realize is when you look at wealth throughout the world, the majority of multimillionaires, I'm talking about people that are worth 50 to hundreds of millions of dollars, they made the majority of their money during the down market. Yeah, they didn't make it in an up market. Yeah, the people that are worth maybe $1 to $5 million, $6 million, yeah, they made their money in the up market. But when you look at people that were tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, many of them, and I know this, made their money during a down market. Why? It's investment 101. Buy low, sell high. I'll say it again. Buy low, sell high. So back to the scenario. If you had a property you think it's worth $10 million, you sell for five. You have $5 million. Wouldn't $5 million be really good right now? Then you hang on to $5 million. Because in about 24 months, there, 24, between two to three years from now, there is going to be some smoking, some killer real estate deals like we saw back in 08, 09, and 010. Because when a crash happened in 07, is late 07, Really, the real estate deals didn't really start trickling out until uh, 09 and 2010, even 2011, because it took the banks really about two years to start putting stuff into inventory, looking for the REO brokers, and getting it onto the market because it was absolute chaos. They had to deal with all these foreclosures and, and working with the owners, and that, that just took a long time trying to restructure these loans. 
same thing is going to happen today. So, okay, you have $5 million, but that $5 million, three years from now, could be buying a tons of property that's going to yield you over time over $10 million. I hope that makes sense. And again, folks, it's buy low, sell high. And for and real estate investors truly understand that. When I look at, <clears throat> because the majority of the people um, that I know that have made the millions are in real estate. And they all said the same exact thing. They're like, well, we're just waiting. We're just waiting. Did you know that over the last, let's just say, about two years, there have been more multi-billion dollar funds that do nothing but buy distressed properties that have multiplied exponentially. There's a fund, I think, in the East Coast. They were only trying to raise a couple hundred million dollars. They raised like over like 1.1 or 1.2 billion dollars literally overnight, and they had to close down the fund because that fund was just going to buy distressed properties. And, the, and these funds are just sitting idle and waiting. So that has to tell you something. If you don't believe me, Google it. Google it yourself. Google real estate distress funds. You will see the articles and you'll see how many are out there that have been developed over the last just two to three years. And they're all waiting because they all see what's coming. So you, as the private investor, you should be doing the same exact thing. And then for the hotel owners, I'm telling you right now is a great time to buy. There are properties, $35 million, uh, beautiful resort properties that are literally marked down five to $10 million. Owners are still going to make money. They don't have any debt on it. They own this property 15, 20 years. They're still going to make a big chunk of change. But when the pandemic is slowly going away, because the vaccines are here, that property is shooting back up to $35 million. And especially our listings that are over $100 million. You know, from $150, we have another one for $295 million. We have another giant mega property that's basically right on Sycamore Road uh, in, in Bangkok that was listed at half a billion that would take a lot less. If you are looking for five-star flag property, Right now is the time to buy. If you are looking for a boutique hotel that's even under $10 million, right now is the time to buy because it's low right now. Because what's different about these properties in Asia is because a lot of these properties don't have debt. So when I'm talking about future foreclosures, and again... We have to look at the cultural differences of the world for those of you don't see those kind of things or aren't aware of these kind of things. Western culture, any English-speaking country, North Americans, so not just people in the U.S., including Canadians, because they are in North America, and Australianers, New Zealanders, people from the U.K., they believe in debt. They've been raised with debt. I'm American. Ever since I was a little kid, I was taught to, as fast as I can, 
raise my credit score and get a secured credit card. After a secured credit card, I've had it for about six months to a year, and I start, uh, I, my, my credit starts going up, buy a car, buy it on credit. Then after that, get credit cards, get credit cards, use your credit card, use your credit card. Then you have these freaking idiots and I call them idiots because all that does is entice people to spend more money, which are these people that basically teach others on how to use their credit card to accrue points to travel. That is one of the stupidest things I have ever heard, folks. You know why? It's because why pay, put something, everything on credit just to accrue points to get some airfare, to go to a hotel for a few nights or a, a, a a cruise ship that you really can't afford, that you eventually have to pay down the road, you're just asking yourself for trouble. Americans are the worst. Obviously, this pandemic has caused havoc. But the one thing that I'm really, really hoping, the one good thing that's going to come from this pandemic is I really, really hope that people realize and people will make more of an effort to save money to stop putting stuff on credit many many years ago the average american had about three to six months in savings for emergency this pandemic has shown that americans were one paycheck away from being homeless it's sad it's sad one out of 10 Americans, it just came out just today. I read it. I forgot what newspaper. One out of every 10 Americans believe that going into this winter and with no help from the federal government on another stimulus bill to come out, one out of 10 believe that they will go hungry and they will not be afforded to buy food. That, to me, breaks my heart. America's supposedly the richest country in the world, but when you see the food lines, it has to make you wonder, is it truly the richest country in the world, or is America just a country that has done a better job in creating credit for people, easy credit for people, so they can buy the nice cars? Did you know, uh, so my wife's aunt uh, bought a brand new Mercedes GLC. A brand new Mercedes GLC in America is, is, is costs about $40,000, $40,000. For the same car in Thailand, she's paying over $100,000 for, and she's paying cash for it. Where Americans, We'll put everything on credit because it's easy. Leases. I can never understand car leases because America's always, you always want to switch out cars. Like, oh my God, why, put, why have a $500 car payment and buy the car that I'm only going to get tired of later when I can buy the same car and have a $250 lease and have to give the car away and I, get, and I can get a new car in three years? Well, people don't realize and they don't have a crystal ball of pandemics like this, economic fallout, recessions, business closures, layoffs, 
We don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen three to five years from now when your lease expires. So when that happens and your credit goes downhill, goes down the hole because you haven't made your mortgage payment, you haven't made your credit card payment, and then you have to give your car back now. And because your credit is so low right now, are you afford to get another car? No, you can't. Now you're carless. That's why I never, I never could figure out. I was like, why not just buy the car? Get it over with. Pay it off in three to five years. I guess car loans go up to seven years now. Pay it off. Now you own the car. Just like a house payment. For those of you who are listening to this right now, please see the writing on a wall. Please don't think that it's not coming. It is coming. For those of you that have inherited these type of properties, contact us. We will give you solutions. You don't have to list your property through us. At least stay for the, one, the free one-hour consultation. At least we'll give you some ideas and be very honest with you. We won't hold back. And then for the hotelers, now is the best time. Uh, basically, I would say the next 12 months, between now and summer of 2021, is the best time to buy a hotel right now, especially in Thailand. And please, I urge you, look at the travel numbers pre-pandemic of Thailand. You will flip out. And then also, look at the wealth numbers of all the Asian countries and where the new wealth is coming from. India, China, Taiwan, Korea, Japan, Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, even Philippines. Yeah, Philippines is poor, but there are rich There are really some very rich people in the Philippines. Just like there are very rich people in Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos. But there are mega rich people in India and China and Japan. And these people love to travel. They love to travel. So I hope this podcast was helpful. Because I try to do my best in really letting you know what's happening out there. Because everyone's on lockdown. Nobody's traveling right now. But my job is, is not just to travel, which I really haven't been able to do. But I'm constantly researching trends and what's going on throughout the world. I would not be buying any U.S. properties for at least, I would say, four to five years from now. Around four, four years. I would definitely not be buying any hotels in the United States. Because the United States is really going to go into some financial hardship. We are just scratching the surface. Just scratching the surface. Even if this next stimulus bill were to come out, remember, it's just a Band-Aid. It's not like it's Neosporin. They haven't brought up Neosporin yet. It's just a freaking, and for those who don't know what Neosporin is, if you're listening from another country, Neosporin is just an antibacterial uh, ointment that helps you know, uh, heal cuts faster. So it, it, it's, it's a remedy. But the stimulus bill is just a Band-Aid. What, people get $1,200? What do people get with $1,200? Yeah, maybe they can pay rent for a month and that's it. Then they're broke again. 
So it's just a temporary Band-Aid. And, if you, and as the U.S. continues to have a rise in infection rates, and they open and close, open and close, open and close. A, another very good friend of mine out of California said, well, oh my God, I'm sick of California. They just closed, closed down Riverside County again. Everything is closed. It's back under knockdown for the next three weeks. So obviously, if Riverside County goes on lockdown, it's going to start spreading throughout California. And then all the scientists have believed or believe that fourth quarter is going to be horrible with COVID-19 and a mix of the flu virus together. So most likely, there's a high percentage of going into another re-lockdown. So think about that. What's, what is the next lockdown going to do? The mom and pop stores, restaurants, bars that were just hanging by a thread, those are going to be gone. The travel industry that is just hanging by a thread, they're going to be gone. The hotel industry, hanging by a thread, you're going to see a lot of them gone. But what will increase? Working from home, tech companies, Zoom, Facebook, Skype, Microsoft, because it's technology to help us work from home. But while the U.S. goes into lockdown, Brazil should be going to lockdown, India should be going to lockdown, but aside from India, the rest of Asia is going to reopen. Here, here in Thailand, everything is open. Yeah, we don't have any tourists, but everything is open. I can go to a movie, movie theater if I want to. My wife can go to a movie theater. We can go to a buffet. Buffets are open. They're taking the proper precautions. We actually love this pandemic because there are so many hotel deals for the people that are still in this country. But Asia is going to reopen for the world tourist faster than any Western or Latin regions of the world. So that means we're going to bounce back faster than anyone else. Many analysts say that every single month moving forward as countries lock down, basically tack on six months to a year of trying to recoup pre-pandemic. So there are analysts saying, I believe them, the United States right now, if we were to open, if the United States were to open, not just the United States, but also many other Western English-speaking countries, if they were to open tomorrow, but because of the lockdown in the last nine months, just a travel industry alone would take roughly about four years to get to pre-pandemic. I think the CEO of United Airlines or American Airlines said that. It's going to take right now four years to reach pre-pandemic or domestic travel. But in Asia, nope. They're ready to travel now. They're ready to travel yesterday. And also, Asians have money to travel. Americans don't have money to travel. That's the, that's the other thing too. As I tell, as I speak to some of my hotel investors, I say, I ask them, why would you want to buy another hotel in the United States when your typical American is just trying to do the best they can to just simply put food on the table, to make their car payment, to make their credit card payment, their minimum credit card payment, and even try to attempt to make their mortgage payment or rent payment. Many, many of them already failed to do so. 
the numbers are speaking for itself, saying that there are 30 million evictions that are possible by the end of this year in the United States if this next stimulus, stimulus bill does not come out. 30 million. So we all know the federal government has always understated the numbers. So that means it's higher than that. It's always higher. Governments always are notorious for having low numbers. It's always 5, 10, 15, 20% higher. So if you buy another hotel in the States, who's going to go to them? There's no business travel because many businesses are shutting down or they're downsizing and they're putting all their workers at home. Everyone's telecommuting. Nobody needs to go to a business meeting. I don't need to go, you know, if I'm Mr. Joe Schmo and I used to do my road trips and visit all my clients and visit all my accounts because I'm a pharmaceutical sales rep or or whatever it may be, I don't have to do it anymore because I'm telecommuting because I'm doing via Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, you know, Google Meetings. That's the norm today. That's the new normal. I don't need I don't need to travel. So the business travelers are gone. The regular travelers are going to be gone. Disneyland just recently said that, they, well, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, they just laid off a whole bunch of people. What was it, like 15,000 people or something like that? It's a crazy amount. And Disney said alone, they cannot rely on their streaming service and Marvel alone because entertainment has taken a total downturn in the United States. Largest movie theater chain, ready to verge of bankruptcy. The second largest movie theater chain have already shut down temporarily. The box office. So for you investors out there, if you're still wondering the numbers, and you're still trying to see if why Asia is really the place to be, look at the box office numbers of China compared to the United States. China is still doing well. They have 1.5 billion people. If there was another spread of COVID-19, don't you think we would know by now? If, if you really feel, oh, well, China's just doing a great job in hiding their, their infections. Well, I can tell you this because there are other countries that have spies in China, whether they're Taiwanese spies, Japanese spies, Korean spies, whatever country in Asia, they have some sort of spy in China. And they'll be the first, especially Taiwan. If Taiwan knew that China had a large case of, of uh, infections in a specific area, they would tell the world because they want to embarrass China. But it's not happening. Take a look at YouTube of the Great Wall of China just a couple of days ago. Everything's back to normal. That's why the box office, that's why moving forward, the trend is going to be opening Western movies in China first before they come to the States. And that is always going to be the trend. For those of you that feel, that think that China is going to be no longer, or should I, let me phrase that. For those of you that think that China is not going to be the world's factory, you're mistaken. China will continue and will be for an extended period of time always be the world factory. Because nowhere else in any Western country 
are they going to build iPhones for what, five or $10 a day? No. Some parts of the United States, I think the hourly wage has increased to $15 an hour. That's why China will be the world's factory. And that's why Asia will be the world's manufacturing hub. Not just China, India, Vietnam, Thailand, soon to be Laos and Cambodia. Philippines is the world's, basically world's call center. There's Malaysia and Indonesia. People are moving out of Silicon Valley, out of San Jose to other parts of the world. Singapore is considered the Silicon Valley of Asia. So that's why I myself made this move of my company, no longer focusing in Latin America. Out, we moved out here to Asia eight years ago. And I studied this market for years before truly opening shop to understand it. And I wish I actually would have done, I wish I never wasted my time in Latin America and I would have done it sooner than expected because I would have ridden, I would have rode this exponential growth here in Southeast Asia, Northern Asia for decades prior. So please don't lose out. Please don't wait and wait and wait in five years from now. Like, oh man, I should have done something in Asia. Do the research. Do the research, look at the trends. But, and again, is when you're doing research is don't just read what the analysts are predicting and what the numbers are saying. Dive deeper and look at consumer behavior because consumer behavior is what drives everything. Why is it that 51% of all luxury goods are being sent just to China? It's because they're rich. Why is the largest box office in the world in China? because they can afford to go to movies and people are still going to movies and they love Western movies. They love all movies. When was the last time you went to a movie theater? By a long time. And then to end it, we're just here to help. You know, international real estate is the hardest and the most rewarding job I've ever had. Because it takes a hundred times more effort to sell a piece of real estate overseas as opposed to selling domestic real estate back in the United States. We don't have an MLS out here. It's tough, but it's very rewarding. And I've been doing it since 2002. My team has been doing it since 2002. So we're here to help. We're here to share our expertise. We go where the money is. My dad made it very, very clear to me when I was very young. He said, if you want to be rich, be around rich people. You want to make millions, learn from millionaires. And you know how to do that? Go work at a bank. And that's what I did. I worked at a bank, worked in business banking, went up to private client services, to, uh, to wealth management. And I learned from people that actually did it. And they all say the same thing. Buy low, sell high. That's very, very simple. And don't be afraid of change. So many of you are so used to being your comfort zone. Oh, I've always, I've always only bought properties in the States. 
I can't imagine buying properties overseas. That's that's scary. There's nothing scary about it. Same exact thing. If you're from California, uh, what was it like the first time you went to New York? Very intimidating, right? But after that, it was not a big deal anymore. Same exact thing. It's not like out here is some strange Martian land. Yes, they speak a different language, but the great thing is, is that people you're dealing with, they all speak English. English is the world language. Everyone important that you're going to have to deal with speaks English. That's what's great about English. And that's why I'm not bilingual. And many people are surprised. They're like, well, you travel and you work overseas. I would think that you would know how to speak at least two to three languages by now. I'm like, no, I don't. I speak one language very well, and that's English. You know why? Because every important person I deal with speaks English. doesn't matter what country I go to, whether it's in Central America, South America, Europe, Asia, everybody that I deal with speaks English, and they prefer to speak English. So thank you so much for your time. And as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this subject. And you also can tell from all of my podcasts, I'm a realist. I paint the picture and I paint it how it is. And I'm very, very good. If you, especially if you've been listening since my, um, you know, my podcast dating back five, six years ago uh, on my SoundCloud, um, on my SoundCloud account, on my SoundCloud channel, you will see that I have been so accurate in predicting the rise of Asia for such a long time. And now it's here and you should be here too. And now I'm, now I'm making these other predictions and it's not predictions. It's not predictions. I'm just seeing the trends. I'm looking at the analyst. I'm doing my own research. I'm looking at buyer behavior and I'm looking at the future. And I'm also taking experiences from the past and putting it all together and trying to make a logical decision. And if you do the same exact thing, you will see that you and I are basically seeing the same exact thing. A world recession is coming, but that's not all bad. That means there's great opportunities in real estate. So I'll see you soon.